Hey, it's Damon. I just want to warn you that this episode has descriptions of domestic violence. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. Again, 800-799-7233. remember learning that piece of information and thinking, well, why? Why then? Why was I given up? Like, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. You know, yeah. like, okay, you have three daughters that you kept. You're still together. You know, what happened? <laughs> what about me? Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today you're going to meet Shelby. She lives near Seattle, Washington. Shelby grew up loved in adoption, but also in a home broken apart by domestic abuse. When the existence of her sisters was revealed, she felt an urge to find her birth family, but she pushed it way down for years. In reunion, Shelby found her nuclear family still together, so she's had to overcome the sorrows of lost time as she and both of her families push forward with love, making the most of the moments they have ahead together. This is Shelby's journey. Shelby grew up outside of Seattle, Washington, Adoption was spoken about openly in her family, she said. Shelby was told that she was chosen, that she was loved, acknowledging that things were a little different in how their family was formed. Adoption always had a positive spin on it, and it was kind of part of Shelby's identity. Shelby grew up with one unrelated adopted brother, five years younger than herself. She said their grandparents were a huge part of their lives, which meant there were a lot of aunties and uncles around, too. Shelby told me that growing up, she could tell there were physical differences between herself and her family members. So my grandmother's family is of Jewish descent. So the women in my family are very short, petite, dark, curly hair. And I am tall. I'm like 5'9", and I have green eyes and lighter hair. So when I think about like the physical differences, it was like, wait, right? Okay, I'm so tall and you guys are very, you know, very short, very petite. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah, (laughs) it's interesting how those differences present themselves. Was it kind of a constant reminder to you that you were adopted? Yeah, I mean, a little bit for sure. I definitely wondered like, what would I look like if my mom and dad actually had me. Like, I wondered what I would look like if I was actually their biological daughter. And I, at the same time, wondered, like, what do my biological parents look like? Like, where am I coming from? Yeah, it's a very natural thing, right? Because you can look in the mirror and see differences. And did you have personality differences with your family, too? I did, yeah. And I, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to articulate that like growing up but now in hindsight I can see that just we're just very different they're very open maybe a little bit sometimes on like the louder side extroverted and I am not that way I'm I am very kind of more reserved and quiet and like my I'm just very like calm I guess and so I just thought that that was just who I am. And then, you know, in meeting my biological family, I found that 
they are exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny how that connection happens and you realize like, oh, wow, these kind of are my people. It's really crazy. Yeah. So I grew up with um, that structure until I was about 12. And then it did change between ages of like 10 or 12. My dad became no longer part of my life. And so that's kind of a was a big shift in my upbringing. And he had a pretty bad drug addiction. Mm. And ultimately, it resulted in a lot of domestic violence. And he was put in prison because he almost killed my mother. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So at 12, that was like a really big kind of change for us. And, and from that point moving forward, it was very much just my mom and my grandparents that were like the biggest, you know, parent figures in my life. Do you remember that day that this violent act happened and like what happened in your house that day? Yes, I remember it very clearly. So we were living across the street from my grandparents at the time and we were actually staying with them. So even though we were our home was across the street, we had been living with them because my dad was he was just acting very erratically in his drug use and we were fearful of what he might do. He was threatening to hurt my mom and he just was not himself. I mean, like he was just acting totally crazy. So we were staying with my grandmother and that morning my mom was going to go over across the street and feed our dog and like kind of take care of the animals. And so she went to do that. And then my father was in the house and he, I was not there when the act actually took place, I just saw the immediate aftermath of it. So I just remember lots of chaos and like calling 911. And I remember seeing my mom come out of the house across the street. So like I watched her walk out of her house and then across to the neighbors and she was holding her, her face and there was just blood everywhere. And she went over there so that my brother and I wouldn't see and the ambulance came and the fire truck came and they treated her over there, but she was taken to the hospital. Mm, mm, mm. I'm so sorry. That must have been so hard to witness. Yeah, thank you. It was. It was really a lot. I thought she was going to die. So that was like really scary for me as a 12 year old child. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. After that near death experience, Shelby, her brother and their mom moved in with her grandparents. Shelby's mother healed and went right back to work, feverishly trying to hustle to support their family alone. Shelby's mother worked so much that she missed some of the kids' morning routines or didn't come home until late at night. Her grandparents provided a lot of support to their mother in raising Shelby and her brother. They were struggling financially, but their family rallied around them during that hard, sad, confusing time. Shelby said it was hard to live through that time in her life. She could remember nights of domestic violence before her adopted father's arrest, where the man was choking her mother, and as a child, Shelby tried to pull him off of her mother. The man's imprisonment and their resulting living circumstances were life-altering. Shelby never visited her father when he was incarcerated, but she does remember one instance of seeing the man in court. I did not see him, like I didn't go to visit him when he was in prison, but my mom did let me go to... I think one of his like hearing court hearings. And so like, I remember sitting there, it wasn't when he was being sentenced, I don't think, but it was kind of like a, just a court appearance. And I I remember sitting there and, you know, just being so excited 
because it sounds crazy, but like he was still my dad. So like I was excited to see him, which sounds so crazy, right? Like, they, you know, they do these horrible things and then you're like, well, that's still my dad. I still love him. Like I still, I still miss him in my life. So right. I remember being excited to see him. And then I remember that he didn't even really turn around and like look at us. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it it doesn't sound crazy at all because through the eyes of a 12-year-old whose dad has been taken away, of course, you would want to see your dad. That doesn't, it doesn't matter sort of where he is. You yeah. are 12 and that's your dad and for him to be there one minute and gone the next is really tough. It's yeah. And so I, I can imagine that it was exciting, somehow fulfilling to at least be able to lay eyes on him even mm-hmm. if – in the context of that laying eyes on him was in the criminal justice system. It was crazy. Yeah. In her community, Shelby didn't know anyone else who was adopted, which she remembers feeling weird about being the only one. She had one auntie that was adopted, but Shelby didn't make any adoptee friends until she was older. Her best friend to this day is also an adoptee an experience they very much bond over. Fast forward to 2006, when Shelby's adoptive father was released from prison, she was living with a cousin. Her adoptive father made a comment in passing to her cousin one day that he felt badly that Shelby had sisters that her parents had never told her about. That day, Shelby's cousin went home and shared what Shelby's adoptive father said with her. That, for me, was like a super emotional time where I was like, what? Because that was the one thing that I had always asked my mom about. Like I didn't, I didn't always express an interest in meeting my biological mother or father, but I had always asked her like if I had siblings and I was always told no or that they didn't know. And so to hear this information coming from someone other than my mom, I was just like totally blown away and heartbroken. Yeah, I can imagine. That must have been really tough because... He knew it, which would suggest that she knew it, and you had Mm -hmm. specifically asked about it, but were not told the truth. Yeah. And, you know, after, like in hindsight, now that I've had conversations with my mom about it, her intention was to wait until I was of a certain age where she felt like that was something that I could handle emotionally. So it's like I understand her perspective. Like her job is my mother and her job is to keep my heart safe. But it was really hard, really, really hard to process. Yeah, I'll bet it was. I'll bet it was. So what did you do with that information then? You've learned, like, you know, as adoptees, we sort of conceptually know that there's a family out there, but we don't always land on the fact that these are real people. Like, they can be almost (laughs) like figments of our imagination, but you've gotten sort of a verbal confirmation that there are people out there that you are connected to. Well, what did you do next? So I struggled with it and cried and just was distraught about it for a while. And then I said, okay, well, I need to have this conversation with my mom. And I took her out to dinner and I brought it up to her and I was very emotional. And, you know, I just said, you know, dad ended up telling Sarah this. Is it true? She confirmed that it was true, but she said that she didn't know any you know, other details as far as like who they are or have any more information to give me. And I was honestly, even at that point, like afraid of hurting my mom and being curious about these things. Mm -hmm. So as much as I wanted to know and as much as 
I was in so much pain. I also didn't want to hurt her. So after she told me that and she kind of, you know, told me that she didn't really know anything else, I just buried it. Really? I just buried it as deep as I could. Really? Why do you think you did that? (sighs) You know, I don't know. In hindsight, like I, I look back and I think, man, I could have found them sooner. Like if I would have just pushed a little bit, if I would have asked more questions. But I think, I think it was bringing, I think it was just super painful. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid of the pain. <laughs> yeah. And I believed that she didn't have any other information. So I didn't push it. And my grandmother shared like little bits and pieces with me over the years that she knew. But still, it wasn't enough. I don't know, like you say, it's a figment of our imagination. It really felt like this distant thing to me that I was like, eh, it's not it's not real. Like that can't be true. I don't know. I just, I wasn't ready to fully accept that that was who I was, that I had sisters. All of this happened in the early 2000s when Shelby was about 20 years old and her adoptive father got out of prison. At that time, Shelby's Google searches turned up very few search and reunion resources, not enough to keep her interested. So she buried the whole thing deep. It wasn't until Shelby was married and pregnant in her 30s that her husband got her a 23andMe genetic test. Shelby only wanted to know about her genetic heritage. She wanted to see where she comes from on the world map to be able to give her daughter answers she never had when she was growing up. A few years after doing her 23andMe test and after a second child was born, Shelby learned that with the click of a button, users could learn more about who they were genetically related to. It was a huge turning point for Shelby. I just remember so clearly, like the day my daughter was born, I, it was hands down, like the most incredible life experience I think I'll probably ever have. (laughs) And it was springtime. I just can picture it so clearly. Like I just remember holding her and thinking, how could, how could somebody go through this amazing, incredible experience and then leave the hospital without their child? And that was a big shift for me. And I just kind of remember thinking like, I need to know more because mm-hmm. if they, if my biological mom, you know, she did leave without me. So I, I thought to myself, well, there had to have been some kind of extreme circumstances going on to lead her to that decision. Because as a new mom myself, I'm just thinking there's absolutely no way I could do that. Yeah. Wow. So my da- my daughter was born in 2005, and then I had my son in, two- or not 2005, excuse me, 2015, and then I had my son in 2017. And so really at that point was when I internally started to, like, question and become a lot more curious. And then COVID happened and all the extra time to, like, sit around and think. And so I said, you know what? I was just sitting on my back patio one day, and I just decided I need some answers. And so I pushed the button that says connect to DNA relatives and, you know, it connects you to like tons of people. But I did have two close matches, which was somebody going by JT, who it said she was a possible aunt. And then I had an uncle that I connected to. Mm -hmm. So I sent them a, a brief message just saying, you know, here's my name. I was born April 28th of 1985. Do you happen to know anything about my birth parents? It says you could be an aunt or it says you could be an uncle to me. And so I sent that message and then 
waited <laughs> on pins and needles for mm-hmm. a response. And I didn't get a response right away. It was uh, several weeks later. And then finally, the person, JT, wrote me back and said, you know, hi, I'd like to help. Have you, and she said, have you reached out to anybody who you suspect to be your biological mother? And I wrote, and I was like thinking instantly, like, oh my gosh, she knows something. Like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And I was so excited. And I said, no, this is like my first time ever reaching out. I said, I just connected with you and an uncle. And I said his name. And so then I didn't hear anything for a long time. I don't know, maybe a month. And so I kind of thought in my head, maybe like there were some behind the scenes investigations going on in the family. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know, was I a secret? Did nobody know about this? Or I just figured they were kind of connecting some dots and trying to figure out how to move forward. Mm -hmm. And then, so then I got a message a month later from one of my sisters. So not, not either of the two people I originally connected with, but I got a message from my sister, Catherine, and it was a big, long message. And she basically just laid out, hi, yes, you know, we've been waiting for this day. Like, we are your sisters. And she described, you know, everybody who they were and basically just expressed that they were, like, excited about this. And they were excited to meet me, but that there were so many different people's feelings involved that I think they were just as nervous as I was to kind of go through this process. Wow. So how are you feeling, though, in receiving this connection to them finally? Like you're you're finally Ugh. talking to somebody who is giving you some reciprocal sort of information. You're reaching out before, but they're not reaching back. Now you're reaching out and they're someone's actually saying something. Yeah. I mean, I was in shock and I was like just in disbelief. You know, it's like it's so weird to think that like you know, 15 years earlier, I knew I had sisters, but like, this was the moment that made it real for me when I actually connected to someone. And we instantly just had this like connection, even through messaging where it was like, I felt so comfortable talking to her. And it felt very much like I was talking to a best friend. I could just tell like our, our personalities were so similar, even through messaging. (laughs) So I was excited, but overwhelmed. Like I felt like I could have probably cried and thrown up at the same time. It was very overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wide range of emotions right there. I'm with you. Yeah. (laughs) Shelby and Catherine messaged back and forth through 23andMe. Then they exchanged email addresses and wrote back and forth some more, then exchanged phone numbers and talked through one another's parallel lives. It was mind blowing. Like they grew up in the same area that I did and went to school in the same school district that I went to school in. Wow. So I learned that I had three older sisters. I was the youngest of four. And they, so they, we were all born, all four of us were born between the years of 1980 and 1985. And so they grew up in the same area, like I said, and they, our grandparents literally lived five blocks away from each other. Wow. So like my grandparents where I spent so much time and then they also spent a lot of time with their grandparents growing up were five blocks away from each other. Mm, mm, mm. Unreal. It, it was wild. And we, we just kept kind of like sharing bits and pieces and realizing like how similar our stories were, how similar our upbringings were, like 
you know, my mom worked in grocery and my biological mom worked in grocery and both of our dads worked in drywall. And there was just so much in common that for before we had spoken to our moms about it, we thought, oh, my gosh, maybe there's something we don't know here. Like maybe they knew each other. You know, we thought there's no chance. We just thought for sure, like they had to have been family friends or something, because how could how could everything be so similar and there not be some kind of other connection? Really unbelievable. So did you yeah, find so, any additional sort of connections? Tell me a little bit about your your reunion. Did you eventually meet your sister or who did you meet first? Yes. So, so I definitely initially spoke to my sister, Catherine, the most, she's the closest to me in age. She was kind of leading the family through this, I would say. And she did it with so much love and grace. And I'll always be thankful to her for that. So she kind of was like the communicator between me and everybody else. And then like slowly over time, I started to build relationships with the others. But because we were all so close, and I learned different things about like where everybody worked and, and that we were all in this, you know, kind of in this same community, there was a little bit of a sense of urgency around like us meeting because I, I thought, oh my gosh, now I know what these people look like. Now I know the area they live in. Like I can't just run into them randomly at the grocery store. Yeah, like, right. I'm, I need to, you know, we need to make this happen. So mm-hmm. it was just one month after we had started talking on 23andMe, it was one month after that that we decided to all meet and we set it up so that I would meet my mom and dad first and so that was another piece of the story is that my biological mom and dad are still married wow are you serious yes that's crazy (laughs) how did that hit you when you found that out oh like a like (laughs) like a ton of bricks like a knife to the chest I mean I, I remember learning that piece of information and thinking, well, why? Why then? Why was I given up? Like, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. You know, yeah. like, okay, you have three daughters that you kept. You're still together. You know, what happened? <laughs> what about me? And, you know, I later learned that during the time that I was born, they were separated. And even I think they were actually divorced at one time. And then they got remarried. And well, what I know about it is that they weren't sure if I was biologically his or not. Mm-hmm. And he was not very supportive of my biological mom at that time. And and she was struggling. I mean, she was she had her first child at 17 and then lost at 22 or 23. So all of those babies in that short amount of time and from what I understand, I think family just stepped in and was like, you're, you're not making it like, you know, you can't, there was no food. She was struggling big time. And so I think family stepped in and said like, this is your only option. And, and she went with that, but yeah, it was like, it was super hard to hear that this, like, and I know it's different now, but from the outside looking at it, it was like, wait, this family is all intact except for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you feel like an outsider then or? So after I met them, I didn't, but I definitely felt for a long time. Well, even after I first met them, I definitely felt for a long time left out. Not necessarily like an outsider, but definitely a feeling of like, why was I left out? Why was I the the piece that didn't make it? So that was really hard to process and kind of come to terms with. 
Catherine and Shelby agreed that living in the same community, they truly ran the risk of accidentally meeting each other instead of meeting with purpose and intent. Plus, there was so much lost time between them that they should rip the band-aid off and just meet. One month after their first message on 23andMe, outside of Tacoma, Washington, Shelby met her whole family. First, she met her biological parents together. About a half hour later, Shelby's three older sisters, full-blood siblings to herself, joined the family reunion. Shelby, the youngest of the family, met everyone in her immediate biological family on the same day. It was interesting because so my, my biological mom didn't know that my sisters knew about me, which was a whole nother layer. So it was like my sister and I started talking and making kind of like connecting and getting to know each other. And meanwhile, I hadn't told my adopted mom and they hadn't told my biological mom. So we were like, first, we need to tell our moms that this is happening and then we can meet. Wow. So there were all these secrets floating around, around the secret yeah. that basically everybody <laughs> knew, but nobody knew that everybody knew. Right. Yeah. I think so. My sisters had told me that at one of the times when they were separated, she said that they were like 10 years old their dad had taken them to a park and kind of said the reason that your mom's been so depressed and sad lately is because she gave a child up for adoption. And he said that in passing to them. And she told me, she's like, I don't even know if he'll remember that he said it, but they kind of always carried that with them. Like what? Like they, they always were like, well, okay. And that they never brought it to my mom, their biological mom, because they were afraid of hurting her. So they just never brought it up. Wow. Yeah, that must have so been really So he had always about. wondered, and I had always wondered, but yeah, we never, neither one of us ever like really got the answers until, until this, you know, this meeting. And so my sister, Catherine, she told my biological mom and dad, like, hey, you know, we, you had a baby all this time ago and she found us and we're, you know, she's wonderful and we're meeting her and we're getting to know her and also that I was biologically both my dad and mom's because I think there was question at that time that maybe I wasn't mm-hmm. um, back then, but 23 and me confirmed it for you because you were directly yes. related to your sister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it confirmed it for my sisters too. Cause I, when I told them I had connected with that uncle, that was my dad's brother. So they knew like before I knew they knew like, Oh my gosh, she really is like mom and dad's daughter. Mm-hmm. Like she connected on both sides in 23 Me. So I think that my biological mom, Pam, I think she wanted to meet me first before I met my sisters. And so that's why we set it up that way. And I was kind of just, you know, I was honestly like in shock. I was a roller coaster of emotions. And, and you know, Catherine was kind of leading and asking me, like, how do I want to go about this? And what am I most comfortable with? And I'm just like, whatever. I'm like, let's just get this going, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and and so she she said, okay, well, you know, we're going to meet at the waterfront on this day and you'll meet mom and dad first. And then after you guys have a few minutes to visit, the three of us will come, come join you guys. Mm. And so driving there and like leading up to it, it was, oh my gosh, so many emotions, so many nerves. I felt like I couldn't even really sit down in the seat in the car. Like, I just felt like I was like, oh, like what's about to happen? Like, oh my gosh. 
the scariest thing, but but I was ready for it. So whatever it was going to bring, I was like, you know, I got to do this. I had such a restlessness and an unsettled feeling in my soul for so long that even though I knew that this big thing was going to be really hard, I knew it was necessary for me to be able to heal and move forward in my life. So that's kind of what was pushing me. I'm like, I can't put this off any longer. Like, I need this. Why did you um, think you needed it, though? So, because you said you said you were sort of, you could see that you were not necessarily related to each other. But I didn't get the sense uh-huh. of, the, of like a burning to get to know these people. Why? But now you're saying that you needed it. What was that feeling of needing it? I think that, well, gosh, it's kind of hard to describe. But I guess I feel like for... For me as an adoptee, there were just parts of me I felt like that were kind of floating through life. Like I kind of felt like I was never really anchored to anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't know like where I truly came from. Mm-hmm. I only had guesses at it. And as I, you know, as I went through college and things and, you know, people would ask, like we would do projects on like, what's your heritage and where do you come from and all these things. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know any of this information. And so I think there was tons of things over time that let me know that I needed it. But I don't know. I just, I have to kind of just believe that it was like my intuition was telling me that there were more people out there to love me and that this wasn't it and that I needed to find that. I like that. There are more people out there to love me. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just felt so unsettled and and I didn't know for a long time what that feeling was. Like, I didn't know if it was relationships in my life. I didn't know if it was, I don't know. I didn't know what it was. But it, and now looking back, I, I really, truly think that it was like something was telling me that this was what I needed. Because once I found it, you know, I did feel that like my feet came to the ground. Like I knew that these are the people that I was connected to. Mm-hmm. So what happens then? You're in the car. You've got nervous energy. Tell me about, yeah. <laughs> you know, sort of getting out of the car. Where did you go to meet them and, and then how did it go? So we went to a public place on the waterfront in Tacoma. We were going to meet at Ferrelli's, which is like a restaurant. But they have like a farmer's market set up down there. So we were going to meet outside of it and, you know, chit chat and then go grab some lunch. So I we parked and I was walking up with my husband and yeah oh my gosh I just it's just surreal like I just remember seeing them and I remember thinking like that's them like I kind of remember being shocked like this may sound awful but I remember being shocked at like they look so normal (laughs) like I thought they look so normal like all of these fears and all these things I had in my head about what they what they were or what they might be I'm like they look just like normal people you know And then in that thought was like a little bit of hurt too, because I'm just, I'm still wondering to myself, like, why did this even happen? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I met them. I hugged my mom. She gave me a kiss on the cheek. We both cried. And same with my dad. I gave him a big hug and we both, we all just kind of nervously stood around and (laughs) didn't really know exactly what to say, but I think it was important for my mom to express that she was sorry and that she had like regret over her decision. And so she kind of expressed some of that as we like walked around the little loop by the waterfront. But I just kept telling her, I was like, don't cry, don't cry. Cause 
I didn't want to cry. So I was trying to like hold back the tears and I was just trying to keep it light and more positive, I guess. So then after, after we had kind of hung out for a little bit, then, and we took some pictures and then my sisters came and it was, and then we, we all just, you know, hugged each other and cried and went and sat around and had lunch together and just kind of worked our way through it. Yeah. I'm listening to how you're expressing it and there's so much happening in this moment that it had to be hard to figure out. Like, what do you ever say? She, your mother (laughs) is standing there thinking, Oh my God, this is the baby that I haven't seen for so many years. And probably the entirety of the, of the story is in her mind playing on a reel as she's standing there looking at you, realizing she doesn't know what the real lead is playing in your mind is because there's been a lifetime of history that has passed right. between you. I mean, just, I, I hope you've given her an opportunity to sort of express that regret that she has. I know that it was probably tough in the moment, but I suspect she probably needs to really tell you. Have you had a chance yeah. to chat about that? Yeah, we have. So, I mean, so many emotions in that one day and that one moment, but we we definitely have talked since and she's even to this day, I mean, like just recently a, about a month ago, we text and talk all the time and she just told, tells me, you know, I think about you all the time and she tells me all the time how much regret she has over her decision and she says to me that she can't imagine what headspace she was in when she made that decision I think she kind of thinks and from her perspective like it was a blur like she was so overwhelmed had three babies another one on the way family stepped in I kind of get the impression that maybe she didn't have a lot of control over the situation that she was kind of being like pushed into it and she has expressed you know that she she thought she was doing what was best for me, but she didn't consider what that would do to like the daughter, you know, her other daughters and like us missing out on that relationship together. Mm-hmm. How about your so, dad, your biological father has, what has his expression of this whole thing been? He's been very like teary, you know, very emotional every time I see him or every time we get to, we all get together but he's not so so big with the words. <laughs> so it's I guess I haven't really had that like we haven't really spoken about necessarily the adoption. It's been more of like, you know, I love you, I'm glad you're here now, but we haven't had like those deeper conversations like I have had with my biological mom. Yeah. And and that's okay. I like to remind people that men of that generation that he comes from or mm-hmm. not really taught or nor was it accepted for you to be all emotional about stuff, right? Like right. it was a that was a man up sort of generation, you know. Right. Pick yourself up, squash your emotions and let's press forward, be a man. And that was kind of the de- definition. So for you to even say that he's teary-eyed about it, that's a massive expression of his emotions over the thing. And and I would encourage you to focus on that because that is him really sort of showing like this, this hurt me deeply too, even though he might not know how to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like I, I understand and get that. Like, I think everybody has their capacity to like open up and, and share and like 
you know, be vulnerable. And even though he hasn't said those words to me, like, I know that the feelings are there. I can just feel it in the spaces that we shared together. And I think it's just, you know, it's hard for me, but it's hard for it. This whole thing has been really hard for everybody. And so I've tried to really allow everybody to kind of go through it and process it as they as they need to. This whole reunion experience happened for Shelby and her family in 2021. Reunions between adoptive children and their full-blood families aren't as common, but they're very emotional from what I've heard from other guests like Shelby. I was really curious to know how she was doing in the aftermath of a reunion with a nuclear family who has lived together for years without her. She said she and her sisters formed a very strong bond very quickly, and they talked to one another almost every day. They've honestly really helped me to process this whole thing and helped pull me through, and they've been just so incredibly supportive. Like, there's never been a, a moment where they like judged or questioned my character or, you know, I don't know, just like there was never a moment where I felt like they didn't want me to be a part of their life. I was welcomed with open arms. And I think that that is a big part of, you know, how I'm able to get through things because it was, it is so hard to process, but I'm just still riding the waves of emotions. I'll be fine, you know, most days. And generally speaking, I am. And it's been good for me to have that connection and to feel like I have answers now. But but yeah, some days out of nowhere, I'll just be so emotional and like it'll just kind of sneak up on me. So <laughs> yeah, I am just like I said, just kind of riding the waves, reaching out to them and and to my biological mom, too, when I'm having those tough days and just knowing that they understand and that they're kind of having those feelings, too. It's been really nice to have that support. Mm-hmm. And also, like, for me being, a, I'm a mom, and I have like a five and a seven year old. Mm-hmm. So that has been another tricky part of me processing this is that I don't, I don't have the time, especially initially when it first happened, like I didn't have the time to just sit around and cry and, and kind of really get, get those emotions out and work through it because I had to still show up for my kids every day. Yeah. So there's still lots of tears. There were lots of tears, but I think I'm processing it slower over time because I put, you know, my job as a mom first. Yeah, I hear you. What I think I hear you saying is you sort of, my wife always uses the expression one foot in front of the other, right? You know, she's going through something right now. And I ask her, you know, how are you doing? You okay? And she says, yeah, you know, I'm all right. I, yeah, one foot in front of the other. And that's what it sounds like you're saying is like life has to go on for a variety of reasons. And you, the mom, you know, the caregiver, the sort of coordinator have to keep pressing on. But I would imagine there are times when you're driving in the car by yourself and you stop and think about it and it just floods (laughs) over you, right? Absolutely. The the car is where most of my tears come out because those are the only small moments that I'm alone. And then I did, I will say like the day, so we met on a Sunday and then I went to work Monday and, you know. things as usual did you know doing the mom life thing and and then Monday night I got home from work and they had given me a a photo album kind of that told their story basically and I hadn't looked in it and I I started to open it and go through the pictures and that moment was when it really hit me hard just kind of looking at 
well, two pieces really hit me hard. I was looking at picture after picture of the three, my three sisters with my mom. And I was thinking like, I'm supposed to be in this picture. And then also there were so many pictures with like familiar settings to me, like Mexican restaurants I had been to and different like places around that I grew up going to. So it was like, Oh my gosh, like our lives literally, I mean, we always think like, what would it have been like to see how many times our paths actually crossed because they had to have. That Um, is so crazy. It was so crazy. Yeah. To know that they were traversing your community at the same time you were. I mean, you could have been a photo bomb in any one of those, you know, moments. Yeah. Or right after unreal. We were also close in age too that like there would be pictures where like they would be wearing things that I had. Like I had that sweatshirt. Mm. I had, you know, and so it was just so wild. And that's when it really hit me. And I ended up taking the next day off of work because I mean, the tears just would not stop coming. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. That's, that was my big, like I was hyperventilating kind of a crying and that was when a lot of it came out. And then, the rest has just slowly come out over time. I mean, I don't think there's a single time that I've gotten together with my sisters and my mom that we haven't cried. That's just going to be part of this process, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. There's, you know, on the occasion that I get to tell my full story, I still tear up. And I met my biological mother, you know, years and years and years ago. And so you, yes. you're only two years out from your reunion with a family that in theory you could have stayed in and been a nuclear part of. And mm-hmm. to be going through all of this is really tough to reflect on what could have been. But, you know, it sounds like if nothing else, the love you're getting is kind of also helping you to get through. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't, I could write a book with like the amount of like positive, messages that I've received from my sisters from the beginning, you know, whether it was like an email or a text or a voice message, like they are just constantly showering me with love and support. And I don't know how I would be getting through this without that. So yeah, it is still really emotional. It's like, I will be fine for a long time. And then last night, as I was preparing to speak with you, I was go you know kind of going back through like old messages to remind myself of like exactly how this unfolded and and I said and I cried again because I'm just like oh my gosh it just brings it all back up again that's exactly right that's exactly right it's going to be a long time Shelby before you can yeah. tell this story <laughs> think about the whole situation and it doesn't bring you to tears I mean it's just mm-hmm. it's not like this was an episode in your life. This is the story of your life, right? Yeah, this wasn't yeah. a moment in time. This is the culmination of all of the moments that have led right. up to right now. So yeah, it's going to be emotional for a long time. There, there's been a couple of different phases so far, you know, already where it's like the excitement, right, of initially meeting and how exciting that is and, and emotional. But then afterwards, I remember feeling so heartbroken and sad about all the time that we had lost that I had this like this feeling of okay we're going to make up for lost time like let's schedule this let's schedule this let's go camping like let's do all these things 
And, you know, we do, we always say like, we like to have something on the calendar because we like to have something to look forward to so that we know we're going to see each other soon. But then, you know, the dust settles a little bit and you realize like we're all moms and we're all, we all have our own lives too. And so I feel like this past, I don't know, six months or so, I've really just been kind of processing the idea that we won't ever catch up on that lost time together. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's not possible. Yeah. And so how do we just, you know, accept that and, and make the most of the time that we do have together? Yeah. I was just thinking that same thing that you're right. It's sad that we feel forced to catch up on lost time. But then when you make this realization that you're living in right now, that the time is gone, you really mm-hmm. do land in this place of, well, I guess we're making memories out of the time we have today, you know? Yeah. May I ask you, how has your adoptive mom been in this reunion with your biological family? She's been wonderful. So, you know, I made it out in my head to be this thing where she was going to be heartbroken and upset. And and I think, honestly, that if I had been a lot younger, she may have been. But when I told her I was in tears and I just said, you know, I've I've reached out and now, you know, I've gotten some information back and we're going to meet. And I thought she would be distraught about it, but she wasn't. She she cried a little bit, but she was mostly just super excited for me to have this piece that I felt like I was missing. That's awesome. Yeah, she's been really, really wonderful. And, you know, even her and Pam have met my biological mom and my adopted mom have met and we've, you know, we did, they did like a birthday party for me last year where they were both there. And I mean, they get along really well. It's, they only live like maybe five blocks away from each other. Wow. That's crazy. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. It's insane. Unreal. Unreal. Well, I'm really glad that you were able to come here today and share some of this with me this is this yeah, has been thank amazing. you for allowing me to do so and thank you for all the work that you're doing because i felt so alone in in my feelings throughout this process and to so to have like a podcast to go listen to where i where i didn't feel that way and i knew that other people were also going through the same thing really has been helpful for me so oh thank God. you for all that you're doing no it is absolutely my pleasure this is a, such a i would if i could do this all the time i would for just that reason, right? Because you and I yeah. sitting here together, you and I are connecting and we are both adoptees and we share this experience. But mm-hmm. other people listening to what you have been through is helping them too. I was just telling yeah. this story recently to someone else. I was saying, you know, as adoptees, unless you can actually see it when we go out, you know, with a transracial adoption where the parents are of one sort of race or nationality and the child is of a different one. And you can obviously see that perhaps that child is adopted. Otherwise you wouldn't know that a person is adopted unless they told you. And so it can be incredibly lonely to just look around and go, I have no idea who else feels how I do. And so I'm so glad that people are able to find the podcast and hear stories like yours where you've had this experience of meeting your biological family and learning that they were still together and and how you're coping and hopefully the ways that you're coping and the ways that your families are reacting is Mm -hmm. going to be helpful to someone else to hear this too so 
thank you for being here for this. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure, Shelby. It has been wonderful to chat with you. I'm so glad that you stepped forward to share. And I do wish you guys all the best in your continued reunion, okay? Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right, take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's me. Shelby grew up with her adoption being celebrated and her presence in her family cherished. It was very tough to hear about her childhood trauma, witnessing her adoptive father's brutality against her mom, and I could feel her as a child in the courtroom, looking over at her dad, just wanting some acknowledgement and wishing she could have her family back together in a healthy way. I'm always entertained by the story of someone who has taken a DNA test but doesn't realize the power of familial connectivity the online DNA platform has. When Shelby finally spoke with her sister Catherine, it opened the door to reunion with her entire biological family all at once. All of her sisters and her birth mother and father back together again. You heard Shelby say how challenging it is to review pictures and memories of her family's life together without her. It's so tempting in reunion to want to rewind race back to the past moments and try to catch up on lost time. But unfortunately, in adoption, the time is gone. The best we can do is make the very best of the moments we have ahead of us. I wish Shelby and her adoptive and birth families the very best as they move forward supporting Shelby with love. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you found something in Shelby's journey that inspired you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I really? If you would like to share the story of your adoption and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow me on Instagram at Damon L. Davis and follow the podcast at WAIReally. If you like the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star review in your podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Your ratings, really do help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out my story in my memoir, Who Am I Really? Available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible, and I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.